I remember when I was a little kid, you know, um, Sunday school was before service. You had to sit in the service when I went to church as a little kid. And uh, we were in this very, very old building, and it had a gazillion cracks on the ceiling. The, in fact, the ceiling looked like a maze. You know those mazes that you have to go through as a little kid, and it says how to get from here to there and help, help the doggy? And so I would start. And my mother would pinch me. You know, because parents did that in those days. Nowadays, it's called abuse. But in those days, it was called discipline. <laughs> She'd pinch me. The other thing that she had in her arsenal was a weapon in her purse. It was called the wooden spoon. So if the pinch didn't work, um, there was an exhortation from the throne of mom, would you like to go downstairs? And you knew that if going downstairs... The purse would come with, and inside that purse was um, the spoon. So you know what I mean? Now we release the kids from all that pressure. <laughs> and we say, go to Sunday school and hear from God. Oh, praise the Lord. Yeah, sometimes you just have to have a little bit of a humor insert back to the good old days. We say they're good old days when we're older. <laughs> When you're young, you don't see it so good when you're being pinched in church. I so badly many times wanted to go, ow! But then I knew it would be double the trouble. So you just had to, like, close your mouth, zip it up, don't say a word. Anyways, God. Lord, help me to get focused. First Kings, Second Kings, Second Kings, chapter 3. I want to just read these two, these verses to you, these three verses, and we're go, I'm going to give you the highlight of what's happening um, till we get to the crux of these verses that I'm about to read. And Elijah said, Elisha said, as the Lord of hosts lives before whom I stand, were it not that I have regard for Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, I would neither look at you nor see you. But now, bring me a musician. And when the musician played, the hand of the Lord came upon him, and he says, and he said, thus says the Lord, I will make this dry stream bed full of pools. Oh, get ready. So Elijah, if any of you came out to our Wednesday nights or logged into our Wednesday night during the time of our Elijah series, um, you will recall that there was a time when, the, when Elijah addressed the prophets of Baal and he said, if God be God... If God be God. And so he put them to the challenge and the test to see if their God was real. Could he cause fire to come down from heaven? And so, of course, they did all their dancing and all their worshiping before their God, expecting that their God would cause the altar to, to, to come ablaze with fire. And, well, if you know the story, it didn't happen. But then Elijah comes. And he prays. But before he prays, he saturates that altar with water. Because we all know something that is wet can't get 
ignited with fire. After all, we use water to put fire out. <laughs> and so that's, that altar is saturated with water, and Elijah calls upon God, and God demonstrates his fire, his power, and he consumes that altar, not just the saturated wood, but even the stones, and all the people have a little mini revival and decide that they are going to worship God. Go read the account for yourself in uh, 1 Kings 18, maybe 19. But you don't have to read it now. Read it this afternoon. Because we don't want you to get distracted from where we're going. And so the people have this mini revival and they've dedicated themselves that they are going to worship God. But their revival was only skin deep for that moment. You see, Elijah dies. And as Elijah dies, well, actually, he's just teleported to heaven. <laughs> he doesn't truthfully die, as we know, but God takes him up to, to heaven, and Elisha is there, and Elisha steps up to the call. King Ahab also dies. King Ahab was the one that uh, was married to Jezebel. Remember her? And they were the two partners in crime that brought this Baal worship into the, the region. But King Ahab's son now succeeds into his father's position. And he is no better than his father. Of course, according to our text this morning of verse 2, it said that he did what was evil in the Lord's sight, not to the extent of his father and mother Jezebel, but um, at least he tore down the sacred pillar of Baal that Ahab had set up, but he continued in the sins that had been committed. So in this transition and in this time, this is where we pick up our text. Of chapter 3 because King Misha of Moab yearly would give an offering of taxes a payment uh, to the king and um, he decided that this time he was not going to pay his taxes normally the taxes would be a uh, hundred thousand rams and a hundred thousand lambs so they would have the uh, that was their offering and Jehoram, Jer which, uh, which is Ahab's son, receives the news that King Misha is not going to pay his taxes. And he gets upset. Because we all know how important money is to the government. He gets upset and he decides that he is going to do something about it. And he's going to then gather some troops that he could go and fight against Moab. Because King Misha was the king of Moab. And so then he says to himself, you know what, I'm going to go to get Jehoshaphat and I'm going to ask him, come along with me to go and, and fight against this king because they owe their money and they don't want to pay. So he goes to Jehoshaphat and he says to him in verse 7, like, would you come along and, and help me in fighting against the, the, this king of Moab? And Jehoshaphat says, but of course, 
But of course, I'm with you. Your people are my people. My horses are your horses. Let's go together. You know, they could have been Italian. <laughs> or maybe Española. You know, you're, you're. together they decided that they were going to also go and speak to Edom and approach Edom to be allied with them to fight against Moab. And so on their way down to Moab, they take the long way around. And it cost them seven days' journey. And here they are marching and marching and marching and marching. Now, if they took the long way around, and it cost them seven days' journey, they found themselves marching in the middle of the desert. What happens when you're marching in the middle of de the desert? Thirsty. I'm so thankful somebody this morning is thirsty. You get thirsty because you get hot. And so here they are, three nations, three armies, marching in the desert, and all of a sudden they are thirsty and there is no water to be found. And what are we going to do? What would you expect to happen? Did you not plan for this trip? They run out of water. They're feeling as though they've put themselves into the hands of the Moabites. Now what are we going to do? Just die here? And one of them gets a brilliant idea. Let's ask God. Is there not, verses 11 and 12, Jehoshaphat uh, implores, is there not somebody here, is there not a prophet of God that we can ask? That we could hear from God what we should do. And then one of the officers of Jeroram's army speaks up and says, Oh yes, there, there's Elisha. Elisha is here. Elisha can speak to us on God's behalf. Can any of us relate this morning to these three not-so-wise kings? We make our plans. We're going to do this and that. We're going to go about it this way. We're going to address it this how. But we haven't stopped to say, God, how would you have us to do this? You see, Jehoram was upset because the, the monies that was due, the taxes that was due, was not coming to him. So he's planning how can i get that i'm gonna go against them and he allies those to work with him jehoshaphat yeah i'm with you brother i'm with you all the way but not yet in our text have we seen them stop and say let us ask god how he would have us to go about this let us ask god how he should how we should approach Misha, how we should say to him, you know, it is your rightful duty in this kingdom to pay your taxes. We don't see that in our text. We just see one man making his plans, sharing his plans with another, that one coming on alongside and yeah, I'm with you, bro. And then they go on to the third and say, would you come, Eden? And Eden joins in as well. You see, when we make our plans, we're going to reach a, a roadblock. 
if we haven't asked God, Lord, what are your plans? How would you have us to go about this? We're going to reach a roadblock. We're going to get to that place of standstill where we say, now what? Now what? And so this is where they were at. And so they implore Elisha. And Elisha said to the king of Israel, verse 13, what have I to do with you? Go to the prophets of your father and the, and the prophets of your mother. That's right, Elisha, you tell them. You tell them, go to your own gods. You've been praying to them all along, go to them. That's basically what he's saying. You guys have established your own god. Go seek what they have to say. Isn't that what we do? See, I've got this issue, Elaine, and I was thinking, isn't that what sometimes the world would do when they go and they, they get their daily horoscope or they go to a fortune teller to see what they could do because they want to make the right decisions and they're afraid. But the king of Israel said no. No, no. Jehoshaphat's like, no, we're, the Lord has given us into the hands of, the, of Moab, and we're in this desert, and we're going to die if you don't give us a word, if you don't give us a direction. If we don't hear from God, we're going to die. When Jehoshaphat said that, Elisha's heart was touched. It was moved. It was moved because if we don't hear from God, where can we go? It, Elisha doesn't say to him, oh, it's your lucky day. I have a word from the Lord for you. Not at all. Elisha says, bring me a musician. Bring me someone to play. Because unless I tap into God right now, unless I tap into the presence of who he is, unless I spend time before him, I'm not going to be able to hear him. Unless I shut out the noise of what's going on around me, unless I turn off the news and all that's happening in society today, unless I say, God, here am I, speak to me. Give me the musicians. Let me spend some time worshiping God. Let me seek God. Let me give him some praise. Let me give him some adoration. And that's what he does. He calls upon a musician to play. And so they bring him a musician. And the hand of the Lord came upon him. You want to hear from God as to what to do in your life? You want to know what is your plan, God, for me? What is your plan for my business? What is your plan for my studies? How about you get before God and start worshiping him? How about you get before God and start giving him praise, recognizing him as the creator of the universe, recognizing him as the one of all authority and power, recognizing him as the one who says, I will lead you and guide you in the way that you should go. And your ear will hear me from behind saying, this is the way, walk it you want to know what to do how about you put some worship music on and pray 
Let it play and let, it, and let your heart pray out to me. This is why in our services we take time to worship God. This is why before the preaching of the word we take time to just enter into his presence. You miss out when you miss the worship service. When you come to church late because, well, it happens. We all get held up sometimes. But if you're held up just because your bed was a little bit more comfortable, you missed a whole lot of good stuff by not being in the worship service. Because it allows you to get into the presence of God and it allows the hand of the Lord to be upon you. As you stop and you surrender your heart and your thoughts towards him, and so verses 14 to 17, let's read it together. It says, And Elisha said, As the Lord of hosts lives, before whom I stand, were it not that I have regard for Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, I would neither look at you nor even see you. But now, now, bring me a musician. And when the musician played, the hand of the Lord came upon him. And he said, Thus says the Lord. I will make this stream bed full of pools. For thus says the Lord, you shall not see wind or rain, but that streamed bed shall be filled with water so that you shall drink, you and your livestock and your animals. See what happens when you get into the presence of the Lord? He speaks into your dead place. And he speaks a promise into that dead place. And he tells you what he's going to bring into your life. The New King James Version says this, Thus says the Lord, make this valley full of ditches. Yeah. The New American Standard says, This is what the Lord says, make this valley full of trenches. And the Christian Standard Bible says this, and it's kind of fun. This is what the Lord says, dig a ditch, dig ditch after ditch in this wadi. Make this valley full of ditches. Make this valley full of trenches. Dig ditch after ditch in this wadi. Why? Because they needed to prepare a place for the Lord's blessing to come. They needed to prepare a place. Get ready this morning. Get ready. Get ready. Get ready. Get ready. Get ready. You have to dig. You have to dig. Get ready to dig. Get ready to make a ditch. You make the trenches. You make the dishes. You make a ditch. You make the trench. Get ready because God is about to do something. If you've sought him, he's going to answer. If you've worshipped him and you waited on him, he's going to speak. But you have to get ready by digging. You have to put your shovel in the ground. You have to put some effort effort in to make a holding place. I'm going to bring my streams of refreshing, but I'm asking you to prepare a place to hold the water. I'm going to bring an outpouring, but are you ready? Are you ready for the outpouring? Are you ready for those streams of living water to come into your place?
if God doesn't show up in his power and might, then every effort of a Sunday morning service, of a Wednesday night Bible study, of a Friday night Zoom, of a Saturday morning men's prayer, of a Tuesday morning's lady Bible study, all those efforts are in vain if God does not show up in his power and in his might in response to the praise and the cries of his people. But are you digging this morning? He wants to impress upon those three armies that they needed to have a preparation place. You want some water? Oh. He wants to impre- he wanted to impress upon them to receive his blessing and to walk in his power. They needed to have a place of preparation to receive him in. And so he said, dig, dig, dig. He could bring all the rain, all he wants. But are we going to be the reservoir to hold that? Are you ready today for an outpouring of God? Is your life ready? Do you have a spade and a shovel? Are you ready for God to demonstrate who he is? What does it look like to be ready? What does it look like in case God should choose to come in all of his love, in all of his power? What, would have, what did it look like for them in the text? Jehoshaphat, Jehobim, and Eden's armies. What did it look like for them after Elijah had, excuse me, Elisha had spoken? What did it look like they would have to dig? But before they were told to dig, what was their state and condition? They were desperate. They were thirsty. They were in a dry place. They were in a place where they just felt like if we don't receive some refreshing water, we are going to die. And I want to know today, are you desperate? Are you thirsty? Do you see yourself dry? Because if you're not desperate and you're not thirsty and you don't see yourself dry, you won't seek after God in the way that is going to prepare the ditch so that his outpouring can come and fill it. Oh, I'm not even convinced. They were thirsting and they were longing. Are you thirsting today? Are you longing today for God? We need to come to that place of desperation. And if you don't find yourself in that place of desperation like Israel did, God, unless you show up, unless you do something, we're in the hands of the enemy. We're in church today. And what else is happening in downtown Toronto? God, unless you show up, we're in the hands of the enemy. The enemy will take more and more territory. God, we need an outpouring of who you are. Your true representation of love needs to be poured out. Your true waters of refreshing needs to be poured out. 
unless you're completely hungering after God and God alone, you will be eventually dead spiritually. It's just the end result. Unless you're hungering after God, that place of spiritual death will come. And you know what is sad? Often it comes in a, in a time when we won't even have the eyes to see it. Because we will say, well, I went to church on Sunday. And then I went there on Wednesday. But meanwhile, <sighs> the dust gathered on your Bible all week long. Your knees hardly bent. They were so shiny. You become ritualistic rather than passionate about your God. They were desperate. It's not refreshing unless God shows up. It's just church. But when God shows up, every part of you is refreshed. It's not even sustained unless there's a holding place that's been made. So it's great to be refreshed, but is there a holding place that has been found in you that could sustain it? What is the holding place? First Corinthians says, do you not know, six, 1 Corinthians 6, do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit, whom you have from God? You are not your own. You were bought with a price. That's why we sang this morning, let the redeemed of the Lord, the redeemed of the Lord worship you now. Why? Because you were bought with a price. You weren't just selected off the rack because you were the right size. You were bought with a price, and that price was the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul was speaking to these Corinthians, and he was speaking to them of the power of God, and that power demonstrated by God in that his son died, and that through the dying of his son, through his son being crucified of the, on the cross, that paid the redemption for our souls before God. Let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 4. It says this, but we have in this treasure, verses 7 to 12, but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying in the body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may be manifested in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death is at work in us, but life in you. What was the condition of these Corinthians? Struck down, 
perplexed. Are you perplexed this day? Do you feel forsaken? Persecuted? This is the condition that they were in, but they were not destroyed. Perplexed, but not destroyed. Struck down, but not destroyed. Forsaken, but not destroyed. In despair, but not destroyed. Why? Because the power of the living God. Why? Because that power dwells within you. Why? Because you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Because you become that holding place. But have you prepared that holding place? place for him. God does his best work when we're desperate. When we're desperate. God does his best work when we're desperate and there's a ditch in front of us ready to receive his blessing. Ready to receive all that he's going to pour out. Remember the children of Israel when they were going to pass over the waters of Jordan in Joshua chapter 3? What happened? The Lord said to them, you have not passed this way before. Then Joshua said, consecrate yourself for tomorrow the Lord is going to do great things. I'm wondering if there's a people this morning in this room that have a revelation that the outpouring that the Lord wants to do in this church, the outpouring that he wants to do in your lives, is brand new. It's not familiar to you. You haven't traveled this way before. You see, we read of the revivals of the past. We read of the demonstration of his power in the past. But we need to consecrate ourselves. We need to set ourselves apart because this that he's going to bring us into is new territory. This that he's going to bring us into is a new outpouring. Why? Because... He says, whether one plants or whether one waters, the increase comes from who? The Lord. So whether you have planted over here or whether the other one has watered over there, the increase comes from God. And so when he's going to do something, it is something that is going to bring power and it's, excuse me, it's going to bring the demonstration of his power in that area so that what? No man, no woman gets the glory. The glory goes to God alone. When the people became desperate enough to cross over the Jordan, they became desperate enough to leave their old way and enter into the new way that God would have for them. Joshua verse, uh, chapter 3, verse 7 said this, Today I will begin to exalt you in the sight of Israel, that they may know that as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. Joshua, lead them through the waters. But there was a greater thing that began to happen because as the priest would bring, the, the Lord said to him, have the priest go before with the Ark of the Covenant. And as they stepped foot on the waters, the waters were held up. 
and they were able to pass through on dry ground. Why? Because the Ark of the Covenant was demonstrating the very presence of God, and it was the very presence of God that put the toe in the water and said, stop waters. He was the one who was demonstrating his powers so that his people can cross through. Why? Because he was going to demonstrate there was a new way. There, there was a new day before them. There, he was going to demonstrate his power. For the demonstration of his power, God's people had to be desperate enough to cross over into the new territory that God, was with, that God had for them. They had to be desperate enough, and one more thing, obey. See, the Lord can say to you, do this today. And in your desperation, you can say, okay, Lord, I will. But it is your obedience that will cause you to walk it through. Because so many of us do lip service. You know what lip service is? Yeah, I'll do that. Yeah, I'll be there. Yeah, I'll stand with you. Yeah, I got you. Yeah, I'll pray for you. Lip service, lip service. Oh, but when we obey God, that lip service becomes prayer. That prayer becomes a conviction, and, 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 the, and the Lord, before the Lord, we want to obey. Because as His Spirit begins to work in us, we feel compelled to walk out in the obedience. And so they walk through. God does His best work when we're desperate and obey. Second Kings again, make this valley into ditches. Make this valley into trenches. Dig a ditch in this wadi. If you don't dig a ditch, how will you get the blessing? At least you can, you can hold it. If, if you dig a ditch, you have a holding place. You have to create a place, a space for God. His power is often demonstrated when we walk out in our obedience. He said, dig a ditch. Noah, build an ark. It didn't make sense to Noah. It didn't make sense to the onlookers. A matter of fact, people may not understand why you're kneeling in the middle of the service, why in the middle of the service you felt propelled to come to the altar and start praying. Oh, she must have big needs in her life. Oh, things must be going horrible in her life. No, perhaps that person is feeling the compelling of God to come and worship him, to come before his altar and just say, God, how I love you. God, how I worship you. God, God, how I adore you. God, how I seek your face. God, it's you alone that I desire to have in my life. God, it's you alone that I desire to fill my life. And here we are there judging, oh, it must be this, so it must be that. But God is saying, just keep worshiping me, my child. Just keep worshiping me, my child, because as the music and the minstrels are playing, as the worship is going on, my hand is upon you. As you prepare that place for my hold, to hold my blessing, my hand is upon you. Dig the ditch, dig the ditch, dig the ditch. Maybe you're saying this morning, yeah, but if he's God, why does he need me to prepare a ditch? Why does he need me to dig? He's God, he's all-powerful. 
Why do I have to prepare something to contain his, his, his blessing? It's your obedience to the command of the Lord. Consecrate yourselves this day before the Lord. Set yourselves apart. That's what Joshua said to them. Consecrate yourself today before the Lord. Set yourself apart. Why? Because he's going to do great things. It's not that God needs your ditch. It's that you need to be obedient to the voice of God to be able to hold the blessing that, the, that God wants to pour into your life. Your disobedience withholds the blessing. When you walk in it your way, your how, you, you wind up in the desert like those three nations did. You wind up in the dry place because you went about your walk with God your way. God says, set yourself apart. Seek me. Read my word. Worship me. Pray. Seek me. Read my word. Worship me. Pray. Okay, I'll do this. I'll do that. And we, we try to obtain God our way. And he has set forth his standards very clear. And we still daily go about it our way. Consecrate yourselves this day. Dig a ditch this day. Make your trench this day. Find a way to make a holding place in your life to receive the glory of God. He has the power himself, but he needs your obedience. It's us relinquishing the power of making it happen. You see, those three kings were operating in their power to exert their power over Moab so that they would pay their taxes. And God was going to demonstrate, you see, when you surrender to me, then my power will come into play. I pray this morning, God, that you would make every vessel in this sanctuary a trench that every single one of you would become a trench before God right now. A trench that would receive his outpouring. That's what I want to be. I want to be a trench. If my life is to be a trench to receive your blessing, Lord, then make my trench deep and wide. Deep and wide, oh God. That you could pour out all that you have and more and more. That it will fill every depth and every width. That it would overflow. God, if my life is to be a trench for your outpouring, then make it deep. Make it wide, Lord. Do it in my brother. Do it in my sister. Do it in the church, God. When my husband and I bought a house, when we were first married, we bought, it was an old 1912, built in 1912, that's an old home. Oh, I'm sorry, I hope nobody is born that year here. Okay, because I just said old, but anyways, the Lord knows how I mean it. So originally, the original house did not have a washroom on it. They had to build that uh, addition. So this family that owned it before us built an addition. A matter of fact, they didn't even have a basement. They had to dig out the basement. So they built an addition, 
of a washroom because the young men in the house didn't want you to think they had daughters. No, they had men. They didn't want to go outside to go to the washroom. So they built a washroom. And uh, so then along comes my husband and I. And, um, well, now we have to replace that washroom because, you know, they put that washroom in something like, I think it was 1950 or 1960, somewhere around there. Well, and, and I wanted a proper washroom. And so um, in order for that washroom to be done, redone, we had to get underneath where the pipes were. Well, we had to get underneath to put the new pipes because the way they had the pipes coming in was very differently. So um, that house didn't have a foundation, that new addition, okay? It just had like um, a, a, a cement wall that went around and that addition was built upon that cement wall and there un in between was dirt. So um, somebody had to crawl underneath to be able to create an opening so that a plumber could go in to put pipes. Well, here's the thing. Um, none of the men were small enough. <laughs> it's a problem. And so I had to crawl underneath that house, and there was this much space, I kid you not, I laid on my tummy. And, I, and he's here to, my husband's here to validate, it's truth. And so I put the dirt in the pail, and I'm sending the pail out through the hole, and they're dumping it and passing me back the pail. And I did this enough until there was enough space to be able to hold a man. <laughs> to get underneath there, so that I can have plumbing for a new washroom. But then we found out we had a greater issue. After I created a space, we found out that the pipes of the old bathroom that led the water to the street, the, the city uh, sewage, was made out of clay. And the tree in the backyard, the roots had gotten into that clay and had overtaken so that now there wasn't a proper flow of the water. It didn't flow to the street because roots got in the way and inhibited the flow. It doesn't make sense to you, but it's the truth. It's la verita. And so we had to then have these guys come in with some sort of mechanism, these robotics of nowadays, of them-a-days, and they sent something down that and, and cut those roots. And we had to plumb all that to the street side. I want to know something today. What root in your life is hindering the flow of God's outpouring. Get into the plumbing of your life. Yeah, we like to flush it away as if it didn't happen, but sometimes it builds up on the walls, sometimes because there's roots holding it there, giving it permission to stay there, and the flow of God is hindered because there is a bad root, a nasty root, bitterness, hatred, anger, and it needs to be cut off 
so that the flow could be free, so that the flow could run and get it out of the way. Oh, there was another problem we ran into. That's what happens when you buy an older home, Melody. When we went to turn on the light, we couldn't just go flick. We had to press a button. It was called tube and knob. Did you ever hear of such a thing? I did when we bought the house. Guess what? It was 60 amp service. We had to upgrade the power in the home from 60 amp to 120 amp because we didn't have sufficient power coming into the home. When I have to prepare my temple before the Lord, I may have to tap into his power because my flesh doesn't have sufficient power to do what he has called me to do. You do not have sufficient power to do what he has called you to do. Logos does not have sufficient power to do what she has been called to do in this community. We have to amp up our power by plugging in to the almighty power of God. Get rid of the roots, plug into God, dig your ditch, make a holding place so that he could come. Isaiah 43, 19, behold, I am going to do a new thing, a new thing, a new thing, not an old revival revived, a new revival, not an old visitation revisited, a new visitation, not an old empowerment of 60 amps, no brand new wires plugging through every room, plugging through every outlet. We've got 120 amps coming into the house and Flick on goes the light. Tap into the power of God. I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness. Rivers in the desert. Rivers in the desert. Yes, Jehoshaphat, rivers in the desert. Yes, Eden, rivers in your desert. Yes, Joabim, rivers in your desert. I am doing a new thing. I am making a new way. Tap into it. Dig a ditch. Make a trench. Make it deep. Make it wide. Give me a holding place because I'm coming with an outpouring. But I'm looking for an obedient people. I'm looking for a people that are hungry. God has a new thing coming. Get rid of those old shoes. Did he not say that to the woman at the well? Remember the Samaritan woman? When he came and he visited her and he was thirsty and he sent his disciples, you guys go get some food. I'm just going to like chill out here. And while he's chilling out, he says to this lady, hey, would you give me some water? She's like, whoa. I'm a Samaritan, I'm sorry, but did you not realize that? You're a Jew. What are you doing asking me? And he's saying to her, if you knew who was asking, if you knew this morning who was asking you to make a ditch, if you knew this morning who was asking you to prepare a holding place, if you knew you would want the living water that I have to offer, if you knew. Let's read those verses, 10 to 13 of, of 
excuse me, 10 to 14 of, of John chapter 4. If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him. You would have asked him, Lord, give me a drink. I am dry and thirsty, Lord. Send your rain. Send your rain. You would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Sir, she said, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Yeah, Lord, make my well deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gives us the well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them, they'll never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up. Spring up, O wells of living waters. Spring up, O wells within my soul. Okay, you don't know that song. So Jesus said to her, <laughs> Lady, you need a ditch. You need a ditch so I can pour out my living water. That's basically what he was saying. You need a ditch. No better yet, make it a trench that I could pour my living water into it. The water that I give you will spring up to eternal life. Eternal life. And then she says, Sir, give me this water. Can you say it this morning? God, give me this water. God, give me this water that I may not thirst again and have to keep coming. No, 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 no. You get to keep coming and seeking and receiving. And he said to her, go call your husband and come back. You know why? You got some roots in your pipes. And they need to be clipped away because they're inhibiting my flow. They're inhibiting my flow. Finally, what does a life prepared? <laughs> Did you think we were only on point number one? It's okay, point number two ends it, so get excited. <laughs> Finally, what does a life prepared to receive God's spirit and God's power look like? Well, first of all, we saw that the life had to be desperate and obedient. Now the life has to be expectant. I want to know if you're expecting today. You see, because unless you're expecting, guess what, men and ladies? There can no, be no breaking of the water. You see, only somebody who is expecting will experience that just before the birthing comes, there's what, Elaine? A breaking of the water. That's what Deb experienced. A breaking of the water. Are you expecting, Logos? Are you expecting this Lord to come and fill your trenches? Are you desperate? Are you obedient? Are you expecting him 
to fill your trenches. The disciples in the upper room were waiting. They were expecting. They were told to go and tarry, and what happened? The Holy Spirit came upon them. That's right. I am the Lord God of all mankind. Is anything too difficult for me, he said to Jeremiah? Is anything too difficult for me? In Luke 18, he says, what is impossible with man is possible with God. You think, oh, well, we've been praying and praying for an outpouring. It hasn't come yet. What's impossible with man is possible with God. Oh, he didn't just say it in Luke. He said it in Mark. If you can, said Jesus, everything is possible for the one who believes. The one who is expectant. Because if you're believing, you're expecting. Matthew. Oh, because you have so little faith. Truly, I tell you, if you have faith as small as small as a mustard seed, that's teeny, teeny, tiny, tiny faith for the little kids that would be here, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there. And it will move. Why? Because nothing is impossible for the Lord. This is just another one of those sermons, Pastor Melody, where we get told, if we, then he. No, 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 no. We keep digging. We keep digging. And we keep believing. Because nothing is impossible What's in your ditch this morning? How long has it been since you have tasted of his outpouring? How long has it been since you have experienced his streams of refreshing? How long has it been since you have dipped into the well of the Lord? How long? Have you given up believing? Are you just content with the place that you're in? How long? Ask the Lord, what's inhibiting the flow in my life? Shed your light upon it that I may see it. God, uproot it, remove it. Tap me into your power. Set yourself apart. Consecrate yourself. Get rid of the old roots. Expect him to break forth. Expect it. With man, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. Where's God inviting you to dig this morning, sister? Where's God inviting you to dig this morning, brother? What space in your life is he inviting you to create so that he could come and fill it with the power of his Holy Spirit? Verse 18 of our text, of chapter 3 in 2 Kings, says this. This is a light thing in the sight of the Lord. It is no big deal to him. That was piggybacked on the fact that the Lord was going to fill the trenches to overflowing. And not only would they be filled from that, but their animals and all around. It's time this morning to get on our knees and start digging some ditches in the spirit. It's time. It's just the overflow. For God, it's not difficult. The difficulty is you admitting 
to what you have to get rid of. The difficulty is you swallowing your pride and getting on your knees. The difficulty is you admitting that you've been disobedient to the voice of his bidding, come, come, seek me. Do you know what happens when there's an overflow? Not just one nation, this ditch was filled. Not just Jehobim's ditch was filled. Not just Jehoshaphat's ditch was filled. Not just Eden's ditch was filled. They were all filled. And they were filled to overflowing because it says here, if you go back in your text to verse 16, and he said, thus says the Lord, I will make this dry stream bed full of pools. For thus says the Lord, you shall see, you shall not see wind or rain, but that the stream bed shall be filled with water so that you shall drink you, your livestock, and your animals. This is a light thing in the sight of the Lord. He will also give the Moabites into your hands. This is a light thing. It's not difficult for him to fill your, your, your space to overflowing that everyone around you gets a taste of that refreshing water. Everyone around you receives that blessing. It's, not, it's a light thing for God to do. We see it as a big thing, but God, if I do this, and if I give up that, and if I, and we see the difficulty, but for God, it's not difficult. It's a light thing. All around, everyone around, they were dependent, they were obedient, they were expectant, and God filled their ditches. He displayed his power, not just for some of them, but for all of them. Water came from the direction of Eden and poured out everywhere. Where are you at this morning? If the praise team would come, I'm going to invite you to walk out this message in your life. You don't feel touched? I was obedient to bring the word. You have to be obedient to respond. That's not my job. I can't make anybody respond. That's your obedience to the Holy Spirit's moving. That's your obedience to God's word. He wants to pour out a blessing upon you that cannot be contained. And it is to be overflowing into all those in your sphere of influence. But I'm asking you today, have you prepared a ditch? Have you prepared a trench for him to come and fill? Have you prepared your life? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.